head. Tim has left the studio. He's going to get his water. Just listen for his old man sitting down sound. My old man what? Oh, you didn't do it. <laughs> I was oh, giving, yeah. I was giving everybody a prelude of your old man sitting down sound. Well, it's because, Ted, I was, I was just about to say, if I sound looser, it's because I'm sitting up at a desk Whoa. in my brand new quote-unquote studio yeah oh my god I'm not in the closet anymore wow. i'm out ted and i'm loving every minute of it oh my god okay <laughs> <laughs> um so 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 you're like actually in a a pseudo proper like broadcast space yeah yeah i'm, nice. I'm sitting up i mean i, I, I it's well lit <laughs> um i still have a door and it's closed um yeah i'm i'm actually in what i guess you could call my office Nice, nice. <laughs> yeah, so I forget how many studios we counted. I think it was like eight in the. Uh, so I guess it this was, is lucky number nine. That's number nine, baby. Um, next up, next up yeah. will be like me doing the show from my office uh, back at my house. Uh, I would just need to get a mic, and I would want to get like a little bit of soundproofing, you know. Yeah, don't worry about. It. I mean, do, do I sound roomy? No, you don't sound really any different. I don't think. Maybe, maybe when you listen back to it, you'll hear something that I don't hear. Yeah, no. I, I mean, as far as I as far as I can tell right now, it it should be okay. I mean, what really helps is this room is kind of already padded anyway. Like whoever this old lady was that we bought the house from, she has this like burlap is really the only way to describe it. This burlap wallpaper. I don't know what you'd even call hmm. it. It's not paper. It's like oh yeah, but it is cloth. It has some weight to it. You know, it's not just flat. Nice. Okay. And it has some fabric <laughs> to it. Yeah. I know like uh, if I if I were to do the show from my office in our house, uh, I would be like talking into a corner uh, that has like a bunch of stuff mm -hmm. on the wall and then there's a flag on one end. So actually, I think that might provide us uh, some decent sound dampening as it is. Yeah, I think that's going to open up a whole new world for you. You know, you won't have to run in and do the do the show you know, from work. Go to a different location. Oh, yeah. man. <laughs> that's the next step. That is the next step. Now I just got to get like a, a computer that can handle more than like one gigabyte of RAM to talk to you and record at the same time. <laughs> All right. Should we get going? Let's get started. All right. Welcome to Hugging No Learning. It's a show about one thing, watching Seinfeld for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about Season 6, Episode 20, The Fusilli Jerry. But before that, if you tuned in last week, tuned in, is that proper... Um uh podcast nomenclature <laughs> podcast vocabulary i don't think it uh, is hey, tune play. in to our podcast if, if you clicked play <laughs> if you if you downloaded yeah. the show <laughs> yeah if, if you if you, if you uh, streamed if you put, us if you put us on the dl last week <laughs> uh you you know th that was our major life change hiatus episode yet another one because uh, another one of us bought a house and that was me and so that's what we were just uh discussing <laughs> Uh, and so we did have some homework, though, that I know the people have been pulling their hair out, wondering uh, what we are going to come back with as far as the doodle is concerned. And we really only had one bit of homework, and that's just to double check who Potsy was, because mm -hmm. George and Elaine are talking about, oh, will you ask if she likes me and blah, blah, blah about Elaine's friend. And uh, Jerry says, if you and Potsy are through, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I think Potsy's from Happy Days. And I was right. Potsy, Warren Potsy Weber is a fictional character from the sitcom Happy Days, played by Anson Williams, who also played the character in guest appearances on shows like Love, American Style, and Laverne and Shirley. Hmm. And in The Deadly Dares, season one, episode six of 
happy days, which sounds like a great episode. Does someone actually die in that? Someone <laughs> dare? Is it sounds like a, like a Momo challenge kind of thing? Oh God! Like, <laughs> from back in the fifties, though, the deadly dares. Jesus. <laughs> but it's in that episode that Patsy revealed how he got his nickname. He was asked, Patsy Weber, what kind of name is this? Oh, someone asked him that. What kind of name is this? And he said, they call me Patsy because when I was a young boy, I used to like to make things with clay. And one day my mother called me Patsy. So hmm. they really didn't okay. put much thought no. into the reason. Not at <laughs> all. Had, wow. They had six whole episodes to figure out why. <laughs> and that's what they came up with. <laughs> Yeah, pretty pretty dumb. Uh, but we did have some we did have some other uh, tid- tidbits and trivia from the episode. First of all, we I loved our conversation about Maxim Magazine. If you didn't listen to that, we talked about Krista Miller, who plays Elaine's friend in the Doodle, and how she was on the first issue the first issue of Maxim Magazine, which I had back in the day. And the main reason I bought it was a because I was going on a, a school field trip, and I like to bring. I don't, I always bought any combination of the three, perhaps all three. I always bought a mad magazine yes and or a cracked magazine <laughs> yeah and then something like uh, later on when it was introduced maxim or fhm or something like oh, that oh god you know, I, um, <laughs> a dude magazine yeah yeah i, I fucking forgot uh, about for him magazine jesus <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah when you think about it i mean those probably were read by <laughs> dudes in their 20s let's say but they really were more better suited for dudes in high school you know like as a high schooler that was probably like as (laughs) as high as the target audience should have gone but yeah they were read by high school dudes and dudes who never left high school that should have been Mm. on the masthead of both of those magazines for dudes who never left high school (laughs) wow that's that's perfect yeah jesus or or, or just like uh for those in high school and those who peaked during it yeah (laughs) but i really was uh, what drew me to maxim magazine not only was the great Kristen Miller, who I was a big fan of on the Drew Carey show at the time, but also um, it came with a CD with a song that I loved on it, The Impression I Get by the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. And I looked up the rest of that track list of that CD, and it is so weird. First of all, it brought back a lot of great memories of me just playing the CD over and over again. But I really wondered... So it had it starts with a, cr- a Counting Crows song called Angels of the Silences, which, which wasn't bad. And it was actually pretty okay. rocky for the normally kind of folky sounding jangly Counting Crows. It was actually pretty rocky. Um, so there was that. Then there was a, a Collective Soul song called Precious Declaration. Okay. Do you remember Collective Soul? I remember Collective Soul. Uh, what was their what was their buzz ballad song? Uh, uh, the World I Know was their big ballad, which I which I did really it. like. That's it. Okay. But their first big hit was the one that was like, <laughs> remember that one? I, hey, I, I honestly don't know if I do. The, the only, the only uh, collective soul song I, because I, I think I told you this before, I had both uh, editions of Buzz Ballads on CD. Uh, so the, the only song I really remember is the, here's a walk, oh man, here's that's gonna sound really weird with the delay it actually it it sounded great it sounded like it sounded like an actual delay in a song that's cool yeah because i was singing right on but then i was like wait a second i'm gonna be behind a a little bit so i can't wait to go back and listen to that Uh, let me just run through a couple more of these okay there was a song by republica republica's big hit was um Oh man, ready to go. Dun, 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 dun. And they had a song called <laughs> Drop Dead Gorgeous on this Maxim CD, which was also good. Big Head Todd and the Monsters, okay. which I, who I love. 
a song by Eels. Do you remember? Um, you know that song Novocaine for the Soul? No, I don't think so. No, see, some people, whoever, if the people who grew up with like MTV and like 120 minutes in the late 90s, like I did, are like loving this right now. So here's where it gets weird. I didn't, I, I didn't truly discover Jeff Buckley until I would say college. You know, when you first hear his version of Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah, which now is like so cliche, I hate it. But <laughs> you know, because like everyone on like every singing reality show thinks they can come out and sing Jeff Buckley's version of Hallelujah mm-hmm. and. And most of the time, they do make it to wherever they have to go. And, and I just hate how overused that song is now. But there was a Jeff Buckley song on this CD called So Real, which Jeff Buckley fans will know. And it's just so weird that it was on this CD and didn't make an impact on me until much later in life. Um, then there's Duncan Sheik. She runs away. The Mighty Mighty Boss Tones impression I get. Uh, and then I'll skip to, oh, there was a Matchbox 20 song on there, of course. Long Day. What has been a long day. Like, not one of their hits, but <laughs> but, you know, like... I think it was one of those that was like the sixth single <laughs> off of an album or something when yeah, like yeah. the record company was like, all right, we're this we, one's the well is dry. We, we, we need something and they don't have a new album on the horizon for another three years. <laughs> yeah. Well, long day's not bad. Yes, it is bad. But you know what? Send it out there anyway. <laughs> Get out there, boys. <laughs> um, and then the second to last track is Elliot Smith. Say yes. Huh? Do you know that song? I, I think I've heard it. I couldn't pinpoint it, though. It's the one that's like, I'm in love with the world through the eyes of a girl who's still around the morning after. It's an absolutely beautiful song. And again, an artist I didn't discover until college. And yet here I was with this CD way before I actually discovered Elliot Smith. And, <laughs> and again, it like didn't make an impact on me. I'm just so disappointed in you know high school Tim, I guess, is, <laughs> is the point of this whole thing. Wow. The, man, like I... Jeff Buckley and Elliot Smith. And that's the other weird thing is like Jeff Buckley and Elliot Smith were so antithetical to the Maxim Credo. Like they were, you know, these these kind of soft indie boys, you know, and like maybe not Jeff Buckley as much, but Elliot Smith for sure was would have gotten beaten up by dudes who read Maxim, you know, and <laughs> oh, so it's just sure. weird that they put him yeah, that they put him on this CD. Uh, and, and by the way, as if I hadn't taken up too much time already with this, I was wondering how much it is right now. If you have Maxim issue number one with the CD, the best I could find is $100 or best offer for that. <laughs> so it so, really hasn't appreciated too much. So so maybe $45. Yeah, yeah. In <laughs> fact, if you don't if you don't even have the CD, it's like 36 to 50 bucks, which I guess is a good deal for a magazine. But like... If I do find it in one of these boxes now that I've moved, I, I'll try to unload it. But um, yeah, Honestly, I don't know. At this point, uh, I think it, you just need to frame it. Yeah, I probably should. Yeah. And and put it up somewhere like in the dining room. I'm like, Sarah, this is going up. Issue number one. This this is art. And wait, hold on. Is there is there a centerfold with Krista Miller? Is there? A, there must have been. Yes. I want to say there was. Okay. Yeah. Well, then you need to frame that centerfold next to the cover <laughs> and the CD. It, it's got to be like this whole like collage frame. Yeah. It takes up like a whole wall. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, that's that's on the horizon. Definitely. Like I get to decorate our new place and this is it. <laughs> uh, all right. Just a couple more things. Uh, Mackinac peaches are a rare instance of outright fantasy element in the Seinfeld universe both the name and the concept of these peaches which are ripe for only two weeks was completely made up by writers Alec Berg Hmm. and Jeff Schaefer so the Mackinac peach don't go looking for it uh, like some mythical thing because it it is a mythical thing it it doesn't exist (laughs) 
So I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, most of Newman's confession about, I guess, the, uh, the the fleas and everything was, okay, this was a huge mystery at the end of the episode when we're like, why does Kramer seem to know this dog? And why does he call him by his name? And why does he let him loose on Newman? I mean, it's like, yeah, we get it. Dogs hate mailmen, but this specific dog. So get this. In the full version of the scene, Newman explains that he got the fleas when he was attacked by Buford, the same dog Kramer six on him later in the episode which was why he was so terrified of the small dog. Oh, my God. So they did explain that joke, but then they were like, well, it works without it. Let's delete the scene. <laughs> but, but, we, we don't have time for it. So so they cut out the setup of the joke, but then left in the yes. punchline? Yeah. So <laughs> the punchline of? was like only a quarter as funny as it could have been, I guess. <laughs> That's so dumb. Why would they do that? <laughs> yeah. I was glad to have that question answered, though. I did not expect that at all. Wow. All right. Yeah. I was like, why did he, is Buford just a good name for a bulldog? Like, it was just, yeah, just so confusing. Uh, and I also want to throw in one. I loved the exterminator in the Doodle episode. You know, the guy that was saying stuff like, I don't explain him, Mr. Seinfeld. I just exterminate him or something, something like that. <laughs> His name is Ellis Williams, and he is better known. Maybe people recognized him for playing Henry Hughley, father of Daryl Hughley, played by comedian D.L. Hughley on the sitcom the Hughleys. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you remember that show? I don't actually. Oh man, I want to say it was well now I don't I don't I, I want to say it was like I, I recognize the name though. Yeah. Yeah, well DL Hughley has been in the news recently. It's it's August of 2020 right now because he got COVID and he passed out on stage and then I think he right. gave COVID yeah. to a bunch of people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think like nobody in that club had a mask on or something. Yeah, yeah. It was it was really weird. Um and then I think he went in and was doing his radio show and gave it to everybody there like i think oh nice uh, yeah something like that yeah i don't want to i don't know maybe i don't want to slander him but i think i remember <laughs> hearing something about that but um yeah the the hughley's was on upn at first and then it moved to abc i guess wow okay yeah um by the way so every time dl hughley comes up my friend nick who used to live in new york city Every time we'd go to New York City, we'd see at least one celebrity, which was kind of cool, you know, because we spent a lot of time in Manhattan and we see at least somebody not not like big celebrities. Like one time we saw we were in the Tower Records in Manhattan. and We saw Richard Grieco. The next time we went up to see him, uh, we saw Richard Belzer. It was always Richards for some reason. Um, but then one time we were I don't remember, I think we were getting out of a cab and these girls were like freaking out and like trying to take a picture. And the, this guy was like, if you want to take a picture, you better take it. And I was like, hey, I think that was I think that was D.L. Hughley. And Nick was like, <laughs> he had a pretty sick burn that I think about all the time. And, he, and I was like, well, it's, you know, it's funny. We always see a celebrity when we come up here to see you. And he was like, I don't know if that was D.L. Hughley. And honestly, I still don't know to this day if it was. But it was <laughs> somebody was taking a picture of him. And he was like, I don't know if that was D.L. Hughley. But if I saw D.L. Hughley, I would consider myself having not seen a celebrity. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I was like, good man. That's like such a sick burn. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, uh, man. One time. Yeah, um... I would consider myself having not. Uh, when one time uh, I was in New York, I, I seem to never see like celebrities or anything. Uh, but I was there for a conference. It was like a college radio conference, and there was mm -hmm. some comic convention. It wasn't New York Comic Con because this, uh, I think, New York Comic Con is in the fall typically, and this was in like March or April that we were there. Mm. And I definitely saw Jason David Frank, the Green Ranger, walking outside Manhattan. In the Green Ranger suit, going to whatever wow. this comic thing was, and I was like, yeah. "Oh my god, this is this is a sight for sore eyes." <laughs> <laughs>
I wouldn't uh, see again. I would consider myself having not seen a celebrity because I definitely wouldn't recognize Jason. I would be like, oh, that guy has that guy has good cosplay. Yeah, know? yeah, exactly. Well, I literally only recognized it because I think at the time uh, he he had this like Twitter feud with CM Punk, like the the WWE oh, uh, former WWE guy, and I was like, is that the? Oh my god, dude! Do do you have to wear it to the the convention? Why? <laughs> it's probably easier than changing into it honestly I, I that's my guess it's very spandexy you know and it's like oh what am i gonna do wear jeans yeah. there and then go into some go into some green room where all they did was like it's not even a room they just <laughs> it's got pi- one it's of the piping ballrooms and then they put up those curtains yeah <laughs> you know the, those like curtain stanchions yeah. that are yeah i'm like why do i want to yeah, why do it, i want to do this to myself i'll stay in my room it's just pipe and drape on on four sides of you yeah with maybe yeah. a chair. Here's your green room, Mr. David Frank. <laughs> uh, and that's all I have for trivia and tidbits and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, we, we we didn't cover this in the mini episode because I, I don't think it had happened yet by the time whenever we recorded it. But uh, Poppy passed away. Yes. Yeah. Actor Rennie Santoni. Yeah. He passed away on uh, August 1st of 2020. If you're listening to this, whenever uh, known for his work as Poppy on Seinfeld. And we've already seen three of the four Poppy episodes, which is the weirdest thing. Like as soon as we were done with the doorman, Poppy passes away. I mean, this is like the sixth time this has happened <laughs> during the run of this podcast. Uh, th- there, There <laughs> is one more Poppy episode, though, right? Is that what you said? There's one more. He's going to be in the finale. Oh, okay. not to spoil it for you. Oh, yeah. eh, whatever. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So so Poppy does show back up again. But uh, yeah, that's it, it's it's not an actual anything that moves the plot forward, I guess you could say. Okay. So so so, um, so we're done with Poppy pretty much. We're, yeah, we're pretty much done with Poppy. And then he keels over. I mean, it's, it happens over and over again. And I forget who it was that tweeted one of my favorite tweets of the past week. Uh, let me see. Oh, yeah. Only insert number. It was uh, someone named Ian. Only insert number of episodes left until becoming an exclusively Death Note podcast. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> that's right. Send us the names of the people you want to die, and we'll talk about them on the podcast. Oh, that's why. Did we talk about Regis dying? Uh, we had to have. We had to talk about Regis dying. I don't know if we did, because I think we did the doodle. We did the doodle, uh-huh. and then we and- lost Regis, and we lost Renny Santoni. Yeah, I don't, think we had, I don't think we had talked about him yet. Did we not talk about Regis either? No, that happened on that happened on July 25th. And so we would have if we didn't talk about it in the major life change hiatus episode, then we didn't No, we didn't get to because we recorded. Well, wait, when did we record that? The 30th? I don't even yeah, remember. It just came out. So maybe we didn't talk about Regis. Wow. We're we're dropping the ball on all of these uh, Seinfeld adjacent deaths. Yeah, well, we wouldn't have been able to talk. I'm glad we're talking about him now because, you know, not a lot of people Our major life change hiatus episodes. I don't know if they're uh, very well received. <laughs> um, I've noticed you, that they're, they're you, pretty low on the list of like our most listened to episodes. What, what, are, you, what are you talking about? They're, they're, they're great downloads. <laughs> they, they, they get great numbers. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Of course. Just go back and listen. It's amazing. They're, 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 they're the um, best episodes. <laughs> episodes. The, the, the downloads yeah. are big, B- big downloads. <laughs> So that, but so yeah, Reed just passed away, and then Rennie Santoni, and then we also lost on the same day as Rennie Wilford Brimley, who we won't meet in the Seinfeld universe until season nine, but he also passed away on August first at the age of eighty-five. Rennie Santoni was eighty-one, which honestly, like, so that's hasn't there been like a Wilford Brimley death hoax every year for the last like fifteen years? 
honestly, I didn't know he was still alive. I myself. didn't. I didn't either. Yeah, I thought. <laughs> I, I saw the. I, <laughs> I was saw like, the, wow. I saw the news pop up, and I was like, I literally thought he died 15 years ago. Yeah, I couldn't believe he was still kicking, but but there he was. And so, yeah, those are those are three main side characters that uh, somebody um, go check on Kristen Miller. That's what I would say, because <laughs> I don't think she's going to pop up again. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. If you're listening to this and she's passed, um, you know, our respects and condolences to her family. Better just cover our bases. I guess. Yeah. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll copy uh, what you just said and paste it at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank you. Uh, okay, did you have anything else before we before we drag this out even further? <laughs> <laughs> no, we better get started. <laughs> okay, so if you have never listened to us before, we are not a research-heavy show. We like to have our questions pop up naturally and assign them to ourselves as though we are giving ourselves homework for the following week. Uh, I'm watching these episodes for the first time ever. Tim is watching these episodes for the first time in chronological order after being a lifelong fan for years. If we miss something, if we egregiously skip over something, please send us an email or send us a tweet. Uh, at no hugging or no hugging no learning show at gmail.com both of those links are in the description or on the show description page on apple podcasts Uh, if you like what you hear please give us a five-star rating and a written review on apple podcasts and we will send you a no hugging no learning sticker free of charge we just need your mailing address you can slide that into our dms or into an email Uh, you can also rate us anywhere else that is possible to rate a podcast Uh, But if you do that, we just ask that you send us a screenshot as well. Uh, I would really like to get uh, some more ratings up because Zach to the Future, that new Listen Along Back to the Future podcast, uh, has about, give or take, 1,367 more reviews than us. But, Tim, guess who's a five-star rated show and who isn't? We are five-star rated and Zach isn't. No, he is 3.5. What do people not? That's not great. What do people not like about it? Uh, I I don't know. Apparently, it's a, a very very cliche show. Uh, very cliche. Here's a celebrity watching all of his episodes of this show. This is gonna get wacky. Here's this sponsor and that sponsor <laughs> and this sponsor and that sponsor. <laughs> I just found out that he's doing it with the guy who does Zach Morris's trash. So I kind of like the idea of that. And I'm a huge Say by the Bell fan, so I'm probably going to end up listening to this eventually. But, yeah, I, I was kind of psyched when I saw that he was doing that. <laughs> not to plug him. No, do not listen to Zach to the future. Okay. If you or, give or, him a zero star, if you give him a zero star review, we'll give you a sticker, even if you haven't reviewed our show. <laughs> even if you've never, like, clicked on our page and you're just, like, seeing this from our Twitter <laughs> or something. <laughs> Yeah, oh yeah, God. we'll give you a sticker if you horribly review Zack to the Future. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all that being said, Season 6, Episode 20, The Fusilli Jerry, original air date April 27th, 1995, three weeks since the last episode aired, and honestly, I don't see how they keep doing this. There's been there's been multiple weeks since the last episode aired. How, how do they think their audience is going to roll over? God damn. <laughs> Uh, Idiot. uh, April 27th, 1995. I was two years, four months, and seven days old at the time. And if you count this episode and every other episode, Tim, we have 70 episodes left until we become a show exclusively about calling out other shows that have higher (laughs) ratings than us or lower ratings than us and saying why they fucking suck. (laughs) That's it. That's the whole show. We'll never run out of material. It's going to be called Podcast the Podcast. <laughs> All right. So if you are looking at TV- to exist somewhere. Oh, oh, I'm sure it does. 
Uh, if you're looking at TV Guide the night of April 27th, 95, you are going to see a mechanic pal played by Patrick Warburton uses Jerry's romantic techniques on Elaine. Interesting. I don't hate it. We'll see if we can make it better at the end of the episode. We start with a stand-up bit as usual, and this is about uh, when your car breaks down. If you're a guy, you have to get out and pretend you know what you're doing when you lift the hood as if you're going, you know, as if all of a sudden it's going to make sense, like there's going to be a giant on-off switch. It wasn't <laughs> bad, and it was actually short enough that it was funny and entertaining. You know, it didn't go on too long as some of these do where it's like, all right, you know, it was, it, it was pretty funny. Yeah, it wasn't bad. Yeah, because uh, I got again, because I, I agree with it. It's like some just some great observational humor. It's like if, if something's wrong with the car, you lift up the hood. And what am I looking for? You know, <laughs> I have no idea what I'm looking at. But you uh, you think at first that you're going to know. And then that hood comes up and you're like, uh, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, nothing smoking. Everything looks normal. Might as well. Uh, yeah, now we got to call somebody uh, out on the street. Jerry and Elaine are talking and Elaine is going out with David Putty, who is a friend of Jerry's. He's a mechanic, and Jerry says that, you know, Elaine should have asked uh, if she could date him because it is, I would say friend is, that seems to be a strong term for your car mechanic. I mean, it's an acquaintance, it's a, <laughs> a business associate, but friend, I don't know. I think Jerry was out of line here. Yeah. I think I, Elaine was fine. Yeah, I, I think this is, uh, this is really stretching it by Jerry. Yeah, yeah, stretching the ex uh, relationship. Uh, over at Monk's, George is having a lunch with his mom, and he jokes about the lobster on the menu, which I thought was like really funny. He's like, "What do they do? Bring in a lobster every single day and go? Maybe today is the day." And it reminds me of a hilarious SNL skit. Did you see the lob, the diner lobster uh, on SNL with John Mulaney? Uh, I don't know if I did or not. They did a whole Les Mis style musical about. I think. It's Pete Davidson sitting with him and he orders the diner lobster <laughs> and he's like, there's a lobster on every greasy diner menu in New York City and no one's supposed to order it. And he orders it that day. And, and it's like a really old <laughs> lobster played by Keenan Thompson. And they sing all of these Broadway style songs. It's, it's absolutely incredible. Oh, my God. I'm going to highly this recommend out. people go check it out. Yeah. And I mean, it's just elaborate. It's just it's crazy. Um, and uh, Estelle, you know, is like just yelling at him. And George is like, you know, we should be in front of a TV. This relationship just can't handle <laughs> a, a luncher like this. His mom mentions she's getting an eye job because she is out there as a divorcee. George says, you're not a divorcee. You're just separated. You're a separate. And you can't be out there because I'm out there. And if I see you out there, there's no amount of electricity that will shock me back into coherence. <laughs> which I thought was a pretty funny little George rant. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm guessing is is this LASIK that she's getting or or like what is the procedure? Because I've never heard it referred to as an eye job. I think it's some sort of not a full facelift, but just like a brightening of the eye area and not not brightening but just like a, a tightening i guess okay and uh, of the eye area yeah so not a full you know pull the skin back face um what do they call it F not face job that sounds dirty <laughs> facelift <laughs> facelift thank you i was like i just said it a second ago what is it yeah you know um, face job yeah <laughs> face job he's going to get a face job um get it yeah it's, it's just around the eyes just to you know get rid of the crow's feet and, and the bags and stuff like that got it got it uh, and so she needs a ride on tuesday back from the hospital george can't do it kramer meanwhile happens to be leaving monks at that moment and george enlists kramer to take him home and he's like well okay well i, I can't drive my car until I get my new plates and George tells him giddy up down to the DMV which I I feel like I need to I need to disclose this to you this is also another reference that I I didn't know like anything about it but I knew the what the license plate was and what it said so at this moment oh. I'm like 
Oh my God, is that this episode? Yeah, yeah. There's so much great references in this episode. Not to jump too far ahead, but I was like, they—they. It seems to be like any Seinfeld reference. You know, they—they they just they pack three or four of the ones that have gone the distance into one episode. It just for some reason it always come. It always ends up that way. I don't know why. But yeah, Kramer is down at the DMV, and his new plate say "Ass Man." <laughs> And those aren't the plates that Kramer was supposed to get. He's not the ass man. But I like uh, the clerk who says, as far as the state of New York is concerned, you're the ass man. (laughs) And uh, the the clerk almost says it like a Maury reveal or something. She's like, Cosmo Kramer, you are the ass man. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) She's just very, you know. there's a bit of a dramatic flair to it but it's also just business she's like i'm sorry you're you're the ass man meanwhile like people are running backstage there's envelopes like flying everywhere there's fists (laughs) flying uh over at elaine's we meet for the very first time putty patrick warburton it's so interesting that this was his reveal because it's not that big of a scene it's not it's not like any like it's not like any of their romantic interests get a big reveal but he became such a big part of the show that i feel like in retrospect he deserved more but they probably didn't even know what a hit he was going to be <laughs> until you know a- until later yeah you know, when I he mean, became a hit like he, oh my gosh they love this guy yeah i mean his reveal is like he and elaine had just had sex he's huffing and puffing and she's not <laughs> yeah she's just there like <laughs> And uh, great, yeah. Um, so, what was your what was your frame of reference for Patrick Warburton before all of this? Because obviously, he's he's sort of transcended the putty name, but people still remember him from this. Uh, Joe Swanson in Family Guy, uh, of course, yeah, yeah. Um, but other than that, I mean, just great voice work. Other than that, like he, yeah, I mean, he's got like one of the most iconic voices. Like, I mean, not not iconic in the way that like. Oh my God, he's done so many like admirable things and roles. It's just so, I shouldn't say iconic. He has one of the most recognizable voices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like Patrick Warburton, H. John Benjamin, end of list, I guess, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Like those two guys, they can just do anything. <laughs> but but they can't ever do anything other than their natural voice. <laughs> You know, it, yeah, it, it's, yeah. it's almost but yet, like, but yet it works for any character. It does. It does. It's almost like they're not even <laughs> actors. They just accidentally showed up to set one day and a producer heard <laughs> both of them talk and they're like, oh my God, you're perfect. You're like, I'm what? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, they have to have crossed paths somewhere in, in some TV show because they're, they're just too perfect not to have to share, have shared a scene at one point. So, I, I want to know where, something with where jo- that is. Something with John Benjamin and Patrick Warburton. Yeah, talking to each other. I mean, that's, that, that's got to exist somewhere. I want to I wanna hear it. Are you looking it up? I'm going to try. I don't know how I'm going to look it up, though. Yeah, I mean, like, I think IMDb used to have... We might have to save this for next week, but I think IMDb used to have a thing where you could you could search two names at the same time and see if they've worked together. But, like, Putty has to have done a voice on Archer, or, or maybe, like, was Bob from Bob's Burgers on Family Guy in some aspect? I know that those Fox... That every so often, they'll have a cutaway <laughs> to another Fox show. What are you coming up with? I'm not really finding anything. I don't know. Let me... <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I'm finding anything. <laughs> There's a, a WordPress, uh, Patrick Warburton versus H. John Benjamin. <laughs> uh... I found a um, I found a Reddit thread. I, I can't. I guess I can't watch this, right? Well, maybe I can. <laughs> this joke from yesterday's Family Guy. Oh, I forgot. H. John Benjamin is the voice of the um, quick store clerk on Family Guy. What is he really? Oh my God, Chris! Uh, yeah, Chris's boss. Chris, Holy shit! Yeah, Chris's boss. Yeah, I wow. totally forgot about that. 
So yeah, they worked on Family Guy <laughs> together. Holy shit. Okay. But I don't know if they've ever. I like. I want them to. Con- I want them to converse. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, it seems like <laughs> this bit is a, a cutaway, I guess, of Chris's boss doing a bunch of impressions of H. John Benjamin characters, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, oh, wait, as well as, oh, okay, wait, 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 I think I just found something. Hang on, hang on. Okay, I've given this up says, looking. This is, this, says, this is from CBR.com, 10 of Patrick Warburton's most iconic voice acting roles, and... It mentioned something. All right. Oh, he he was Buzz Lightyear uh, in Buzz Lightyear of Star Command. So he took over from uh, Tim Allen for the um, uh, direct to DVD spinoff. Hmm. Um, of course, he was. Oh, and he was he was in an episode of Archer. He played someone named Rip Riley. Huh. I wonder. And it and and that's where it says such an interaction could only lead to action packed slapstick between the two adventurers and the unsuspecting world around them, as well as a legendary rapport between Patrick Warburton and H. John Benjamin. I got there. Look we up, go. I got to look up and see if there's a clip. What was his name? Rip Riley. Yeah. I mean, he was on Kim Possible. He was in B movie. Patrick Warburton. Of course. Why wouldn't Jerry put him in B movie? My God. I told you I'm not going back there. Well, you say that. Riley, no shit. I will shoot you. And then I'll shoot you with a flare. And then I'll use a D-Rash and burn two survival crackers to make s'mores over the crackling fire that used to be your chest cavity. Goddamn, dude. Sorry, but you're acting really crazy. Well, being a spy makes you crazy. I mean, what kind of job is that where your fiancé gets murdered? Hello? Stress? And don't even get me started on my mother. I mean, she... She can be a steel-clad bitch. I know. Why do you think I left ISIS? You were an ISIS agent? Briefly. Way back. It didn't work out because, you know, your mother... Was impossible to please, right? God, if you only knew. What? How much your mom loves you. You would at least have the heart to go tell her you're quitting in person. Yeesh. Rather get shot with a flare. Oh, man up. Talk to your mother, and then you can go be a bartender and destroy a new marriage every week. Well, come on. That marriage was doomed. And so are we if we don't work together out here. So, truce? Uh, yeah. And hey, we're not doomed. Look! Over here! Hey! No, no, Over no. Here. Quit waving! Get out! Don't you want to get rescued? Yeah, but those could be pirates. What? Okay. Well, then they'll just have to do till we find some cowboys and Indians. What? What, what? What are you talking about? I'm sorry. I didn't know pirates were still a real thing. Jesus. Okay. Amazing. That was incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe we found that. <laughs> I can't believe I just played the entire thing out of my phone speaker into the <laughs> microphone. I'm probably going to find the real audio and just drop it into here. Not a bad idea. <laughs> Which makes me think that we should just record a <laughs> laugh. Yeah. For, for the end Let's of get it. some room tone. Okay. <laughs> okay. Here we'll, we'll, here, we'll both laugh at it at the end. Okay. On, on three, okay. two, one. <laughs> wait was i supposed to really laugh or like oh damn it <laughs> now people are gonna know that we dropped in the audio uh it'll it'll uh, we'll fix it in post well, somebody will yeah. fix it in post <laughs> uh so at least i think we gave putty a better welcome than the show did yeah holy shit <laughs> we, well, we, we just spent the last 10 minutes t- talking about putty <laughs> Yeah. So over at Monks, we find out the reason why Elaine was 
just kind of there at the end of their lovemaking session. And it's because Putty did the move, Jerry's move. And Elaine was upset because she thought that Jerry was like, you know, talking about Elaine and how he used to do her with Putty. And then that's why Putty did the move that supposedly she liked or something. But that's not what it was at all. Jerry was just, uh, you know, engaging in garage talk or locker room talk, if you will. Uh, in, in today's nomenclature, you know, in the garage with Putty and told him about the move. And that's why Putty was doing it. But you know what? He's going to tell him to stop. And Elaine's like, well, hang on. Uh, let's not be too hasty. Elaine doesn't want Jerry to tell him to stop because she likes the move. Jerry, meanwhile, compares it to another comedian stealing a joke and doing his act in, in front of other people. <laughs> and Elaine's like, well, it's not exactly the same. He ends with a pinch instead of a swirl. And Jerry's not impressed with that little change. <laughs> So I'm I'm, I'm, what trying I like to, about, I'm trying to think yeah. like what do you think the move is? I, I um I always wondered that myself. I don't think we're I, I don't think we're supposed to know. I think it's just kind of a MacGuffin, and that's what I like about it so much. I mean, I, I would be curious to hear what you think the move is. What do you think the move is? Honestly, I have no idea. Uh, I, I'm I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm guessing. I have I don't even have a guess. I was gonna say I'm guessing yeah. it's, but I don't have a guess at all. Yeah, I mean, there's only a couple of things you can swirl, and I'm like, are you swirling your penis somehow, (laughs) or are you swirling, (laughs) or is it fingers, or is it something? Do you? I'm like, I um, is is it your tongue? Yeah, I I don't that that's probably, but then what 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 pinches too? Do you pinch something with your fingers? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. But that's what I like about it because it's only it only exists. They can make it anything they want, and they can and and they will later on. They'll keep adding to the joke of it because it is a MacGuffin. It's just something to move the plot along, and it doesn't have to be explained. And that is what I love about it so much is that they can make it as crazy and dumb as they want because they don't have to explain it. You know, mm-hmm. and and B they can't explain it because it, it's it, it's about it, sex, and so they there there is a line they have to toe. Yeah, and it it doesn't exist, so there is nothing to explain. Yeah. Exactly. And so every detail they make up about it, it, they have just completely complete free reign to make it as funny as they want. So the swirl and the pinch is like, uh, yeah. So so that's, that's what I like about it. I, I don't know what you would pinch or what you would use to pinch. You know, it's like that's not a, a pleasurable. I mean, I guess for some people it is. Pinching doesn't do it for me, Ted, if you ever wanted to know. Don't pinch anything on me. All right. I'm going to have to gonna have to write that down in the official episode notes. <laughs> Tim yeah. admits that pinching doesn't do it for him. Okay, we're good. <laughs> uh, so out on the street, Jerry and George are talking about how Putty is doing his move. And George can't believe that Jerry told somebody else his move. When George is out there, he says, I'm rubbing two sticks together. And you, you've, uh, you're out there with a Zippo. Which, hang on. Uh, and hang so on George wants to know the move. I, I'm, I'm very surprised that George, the character, in... In the method of talking about sex, uses the metaphor rubbing two sticks together. Yeah, it wasn't bad. I don't think that I don't think that imagery was lost on him. I think that I think that's what made it so apt. You know, uh, because his new girlfriend Nancy Clopper, <laughs> which is great. We don't. I mean, we hardly ever. We haven't even met her yet, and we've already got her first and last name. That's yeah. way more information than we normally get. <laughs> Just the last name Clopper sounds like a, sounds like an insult. <laughs> It, it sounds like a name you it's would great. call somebody. Yeah, Nancy Clopper. Uh, she's bored during their lovemaking. And so Jerry begins explaining his intricate move. And, and here's where we get more details about what the move might entail. He asks if George has a headboard. And is it padded? No, that's good. And how tall is she? Because you need 
uh, height dif- you have to have a certain height differential, you know, or the move won't work. Or you could really hurt yourself. I think Jerry yeah, says. Yeah, George, so, George says that yeah. uh, that Nancy's five four, and Jerry's like, okay, good. You can't have more than a one foot differential in height. You'll hurt your neck. One foot differential, yeah, and you'll hurt your neck, yeah. So that does indicate me to me that there is some sort of oral component to this. But again, we we really have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for for all we know, it could be all encompassing. You know, it's a what all encompassing uh, oh. sexual act. Yes, yeah, yeah, that could be true. Yeah, you, you it it yeah it takes everything into account. <laughs> <laughs> um, up in Jerry's apartment, Superman is on the fridge, and Jerry is uh, finishing up the explanation, talking about how the end. There's a swirl. I think Jerry says he likes to do clockwise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he says that he always does clockwise. Uh, but David uses the pinch. Um, but uh, but George asks, uh, like, why why clockwise? And Jerry's like, I don't know, but it's not set in stone. I think does he say that it's open for interpretation? Yeah. Right, right. Uh, Kramer comes in meanwhile, and he has. Fusilli Jerry, the titular Fusilli Jerry, made from Fusilli pasta, and he's working on one of George made of ravioli, and he's doing this in his free time, he says, which gets a huge laugh, because that's all Kramer has, his free time. I've been doing this in my free time. And the the trick is, he says, finding a pasta that fits the personality of the the person he's sculpting, and it's Fusilli because Jerry is silly. Which makes it even better, uh, because ravioli makes Kramer think of George. Yeah, it's like stuffed with meat and cheese, and, and it's a big, yeah, it's a big pillow of stuff. Uh, Kramer also explains his new license plates, talks about his new license plates, and they talk about what kind of person would actually get a license plate that says the ass man. George goes right to Will Chamberlain, who, of course, is famous for sleeping with hundreds and maybe, what is it, like 10,000 women or something like that? I, I, think I have he, no idea. I think idea. it's his claim. Yeah. Jeez. Um, and so uh, Jerry says it doesn't have to be somebody who has a lot of sex. It could be a guy with a big ass, which I really liked. <laughs> uh, like you would want that on your license plate if you were a guy. The, I'm the ass man. <laughs> or and the Kramer uh, says like, or maybe it's a proctologist. Yeah, and George is like, well, no, a doctor is not going to do that. And and Kramer's like, oh no, proctologists have the best sense of humor. They tell the funniest stories. If you ever see one at a party, plant yourself because you're going to hear the best stories uh, about these. Uh, every everything they have to remove is an accident because nobody wants to admit to sticking something up there and they all in the same way it was a million to one shot doc <laughs> <laughs> and out in uh the garage so jerry goes to putty's garage to confront him about using the move and he calls him a hack and he's like all right well you know what and, and i like this is this is where the metaphor for comedian using another person's act or, or another joke that's that same comedian has like all right you know you can do it out of town but don't do it in the city uh and putty says well you know you know what next time your car breaks down you can take that out of town so they have a little breakup here and as jerry is driving back home or wherever he's going he hits something and his car starts making a, a weird sound oh, so yeah. perfect he's, timing right he, when he broke up with his mechanic yeah he's got that immediate rattling as soon as he hits a pothole yeah uh george meanwhile is at his place and he is doing the move but nancy <laughs> clopper is not into it and she says it feels like aliens are poking at my body and then she like turns on her side to kind of indicate to me that the night's over it's like all right you know what whatever but then george is like all right i'll just go back to my usual routine again extending the (laughs) material metaphor i'll go back to my usual routine and he like puts the covers back over his head and she's still on her side i'm like what is he gonna do what what, what, this this whole episode what is his what is his usual 
routine. Yeah, uh, I, I feel like <laughs> I feel like we need to do this scene a little bit of justice um, because this is, I think, the first time that we have seen uh, the first time that we have seen George Costanza in the act while in his room, which still has baseball sheets, three stuffed <laughs> dinosaurs, and a dinosaur lamp. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's definitely like all the stuff from his childhood bedroom that he never updated no absolutely not <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, and nancy clopper is not not impressed still but i i just think it's i'm like she's she's still you know done with the evening he's like all right i'll go back to my, i'm like what are you what are you gonna do under there george <laughs> there's so many questions about the sexual activities of of the cast in this in this episode the characters uh over elaine's uh, she and putty are in the throes of passion and he and that putty puts a stop to it because he can't do the move anymore he doesn't even want to do the move anymore because jerry ruined it for him and so he's gonna think of some new stuff <laughs> uh, meanwhile out on the street Kramer comes back to his car which of course has the ass man plates on it and someone has left their phone number and their measurements 36 24 46 uh, which those are the measurements from baby got back right is it oh my god I don't know I think they're the ones that 36 24 it's either 36 or 46 at the end but let me see only is she 5 3 or something like that uh, 36 th the measurements that this? Kramer had uh I think read 36 26 46 um so it, it's very well, well, no, I'm looking at the um oh 36 24 46 is that what you said no 36 26 46 it's 36 24 46 in the show Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. What what is it in Baby Got Back? Yeah, yeah. Uh let me see. Uh <laughs> Baby Got Back lyrics. <laughs> oh, 36. Only a sheep. I forget what the All right, let me see. Show more. Where is it? All right. Um 36 24 36. Wow. So <sighs> Kramer likes butts that are bigger than Sir Mix-a-Lot and he wow. likes big butts. He and he cannot lie. Yeah. So the the lyrics are 36 24 36 only if she's 53 uh which you know so maybe maybe that would indicate a bigger a bigger backside. You know, I, I guess we don't know the height <laughs> of the woman that left her uh, her measurements on on Kramer's windshield. But yeah, I mean, he is the ass man, I guess. <laughs> uh, over at uh, New York Hospital, uh, Cornell Medical Center is what it says on the awning, which is at 525 East 68th Street and is still there. Part of New York Presbyterian Wheel Cornell Medical College. Um, yeah, still still there. Still a hospital. And Estelle is finishing up with her eye job. And <laughs> the doctor tells her she can't cry for 10 days. Meanwhile, Kramer comes to pick her up and he parks in a doctor's only spot. And a cop is like, hey, excuse me, sir, can I help you? And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm, uh, you know, Dr. Cosmo Kramer. I'm a proctologist. And he points to the license plate and the cop <laughs> totally buys it, <laughs> which is which is great. Like he, he just walks yeah, out with the, awesome. the utmost confidence, too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Kramer's driving Estelle home, and people are shouting at Kramer, Hey, it's the ass man! Hey, and the I ass like man's in the town. one interaction. Yeah, and then Kramer goes, You got that right! <laughs> <laughs> I always loved him yelling that. Hey, you got that right! <laughs> and Estelle, what is Estelle thinking here? Is she thinking that people are yelling that at him because of her? Oh, she's taking it, it That's as what a, it seemed like to yeah, me. Yeah, she's taking it as a compliment, because she's like, Oh my god. Yeah. She's like fixing her hair a little bit. yeah. That that he's driving around with this this piece of ass, I guess, for for lack I, of a better I, term. I guess so. Yeah, because she, I guess she didn't notice the. Um, but he goes over a bump and he puts his hand up to kind of, um, you know, still to settle Estelle um, from jostling around. And 
you know, Estelle kind of notices and, and the, the scene kind of ends right there on a on a weird note. They kind of let it sit there for a second. The fact mm-hmm. that that she did that, that he did that. I mean, so over in the apartment, uh, George is talking with Jerry about how he screwed up the move. Jerry says it sounds like he did it out of order. Uh, meanwhile, he's gets a phone call and the estimate on his car is $2,800. He had to take it to a new mechanic because of his little breakup with Putty. And so he's worried that the, this new mechanic is ripping him off. And Elaine comes in and she's upset that Putty won't do the move anymore. And he's got some new move that Elaine hates. George asks if it involves a knuckle. And <laughs> Elaine's like, yeah. And George is like, that sounds like my move. So now Putty has stolen George's move somehow. Yeah. And El- Elaine is saying she's comparing Putty's new move to a big budget movie that goes nowhere. It's it's all flash <laughs> and no substance. Yeah. And Jerry wants Elaine to get an actual estimate from Putty somehow just to see if these other guys are ripping them off uh this is where i noticed that superman is on the bookshelf as well as the fridge as i mentioned earlier uh kramer meanwhile is leaving his apartment with a bigger woman let's say and she turns around and like really shakes it for the group and they do kind of a funny triple burn where george does a slow (laughs) burn to jerry and jerry does a slow burn to elaine and then elaine does a slow burn to nobody which i thought was kind of funny yeah and you know they'll make a face and you know we've gotten so many names in this episode we got this woman's name too kramer walks in and he's like oh this is sally oh wow i don't know how i missed that yeah yeah So I guess uh, Helga, or what was her name? Oh, Brunhilda. Brunhilda. That was her name, right? Didn't yes. turn him. Yeah, <laughs> didn't turn him off of the bigger women. Uh, over at George's parents, they're arguing, and Elaine says that Kramer stopped short with her, and Frank says that's his move, and so he's very upset. Over at Elaine's, Elaine is, uh, you know, Elaine is, and and Putty are sort of like um, just about to get get things going in the bed when she starts asking him about Jerry's shocks and a bad gasket and how much that would cost to replace and, and things like that. Uh, over at George's... Well, before oh, we, yeah, before yeah. we get to George's, uh, we, we end this scene with the camera panning up so you see only the headboard and then we just hear Elaine go, oh, Dave, please, not the knuckle. <laughs> yeah, the knuckle. <laughs> Again, where is the knuckle being used? Well, you know, I don't, wh- where, I don't think we want to know. Where is the knuckle used and what is it doing? Yeah, yeah. What are you doing with the... And which knuckle... <laughs> why just one is it a knuckle on your hand is it a knuckle on your foot we don't know yeah toe knuckle uh oh so over at george's nancy uh, and george have just finished up and nancy thought it was great she's like wow she's speechless at, at george's performance and then then she notices the notes on george's hand he wrote down the steps in the move because i guess it's that complicated and she's all offended that george needed what she calls crib notes and which I thought was a bad choice of phrase for sex move notes. Oh god! Like, oh, did you have oh, to say crib? No. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> I mean, I know they didn't mean it that way, but it's like you could have said something else. It could have said a cheat sheet. Cheat sheet. Yeah, you needed cheat notes or something like you didn't have. To, I don't know. Just. Um, yeah, I know. I know they didn't mean anything by it, but I mean, there there had to have been a better way to say that, and there was. Uh, and so she's all offended, and George is like, "It's not the SATs, you know." And I'm on George's side. Like, what? Just because it wasn't spontaneous, it, it somehow didn't feel as good or something. You yeah, know, I think Nancy's totally in the wrong here. Yeah, I, I think I'm on George's side too. Uh, I, I mean, he he had to. It, he it was a lot of steps. He said it, it took an entire walk back from this street set 
up into Jerry's apartment to detail all of the steps. So I'm guessing it's a pretty lengthy process. Yeah, and if you do it in the wrong order, it obviously doesn't work. So yeah, I, I mean, why does everything have to be? He should have been able to have an actual printout, like on on like tacked to the wall or something like that. You know, I mean, why does it have to be so like spontaneous? Like if it's if it's not spontaneous, it's not good. You know. Yeah. Uh. So out on the street, Frank sees Kramer's car with the ass man license plate, and he also sees. Now, was this a bra in the back, or was this the bro? I'm not entirely sure. I, I wrote in my notes, uh, was this Estelle's bra? But like, I don't know why it would have been. So I, I'm, I'm guessing... Yeah, I thought it might have just been like somebody's bra, like he got some action in the car. But then they bring up the bro in the next scene, which I thought was uh, an odd callback, you know, like almost unnecessary part of the script. Yeah, so maybe maybe it was the bro. Uh, but like Frank is just yelling to nobody about ass man. Like he's in the street... <laughs> screaming yeah i wish somebody like there's people walking i wish somebody would have reacted but it was definitely like adr it was definitely (laughs) post-production overdub but i wish um i wish like there's a guy walking next to him i wish he would have looked at him you know like like people looked at him in the diner when he was yelling uh but yeah so up in the apartment jerry when he hears what uh you know it's going to be like 1600 bucks to fix his car if putty was doing it He's all of a sudden fine with Putty doing the move. And I like this quote here. He's like, a good mechanic, you can't compare that to sex. So uh, <laughs> Elaine's excited that Putty's now able to do the move. And I mean, I got to agree with Jerry. I mean, th- this uh, and plus, like, what a great how far ahead was Jerry with this phrase? Like now one of the most popular memes on Twitter is like, yeah, sex is great. But have you ever blah, 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 found a me- an honest mechanic or whatever? You know, what I mean, like he kind of wrote that tweet, <laughs> you know, I, I, I guess he did. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, I, I I mean, I kind of agree with him. I, I still think of mechanics in the past that I found that were uh, there was a mechanic one time in Jackson. I, I, I went back to this guy a million times because I went to one place and they were like, yeah, you need a, a whole like your battery connector that goes from here all the way to the back of the car. It's it's going to be two hundred fifty dollars. And I'm like, all right. And, and then I took it to this other place I heard about. And, and the guy said something I'd never heard any mechanic say. I, I'd love to sell you one, but you don't need it. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Well, you just got a customer for life, man. I'll, I'll drive <laughs> down from Erie to Jackson to go, except I found an I found a, a just as reputable, honest mechanic in Erie when I was there. Nice. Uh, I went there every time I could, anytime I needed anything, because I got the same sort of feel from, I think the owner would come out and talk to me and like, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It was like, here's this and you could do this, but you don't have to. I'm like, if a mechanic says that, that that's big, that's better than gold or yeah. sex in yeah, Jerry's case. Real. I know one time I took my old car to a garage because it just wasn't starting anymore and I had to get it towed there. And it turns out they drained all of the fluids out of the car and i'm like okay you know and they're telling me oh we we need to like replace like so much stuff dude it's gonna be like probably about a thousand dollars i towed it back to my dad's house you want to know what the fucking problem with this thing was Mm, dead battery it needed more oil oh my gosh yeah that that was that was the problem they drained all of the fluids out of it and it needed more oil. Yeah. That was the whole thing. That's why I hate going to mechanics because I'm just like a mark immediately. Like I, I don't know. And it's 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 like the one thing that everybody should know about because we need our cars more than anything. And we just don't know anything about them. And I'm like just a, I don't I'm, it's just so obvious I don't know anything about them. And it's like I just have a sign that says take advantage of me everywhere <laughs> I go when it comes to my car. <laughs> just sucker written on my forehead. Um, so Frank barges in looking for Kramer and Kramer comes in and Frank starts, uh, you know, uh, confronting him about using his stop short move, which is fine. I liked his move when they're like, what do you mean stop short? And 
Frank um, demonstrates. He's like, you know, you stop and you you put your you put a hand up. I stop short, and he, like, he, he <laughs> sort of mimics it with in a very funny sort of stilted way. Um, but so they knock Fusilli Jerry off the table, and Frank falls on it, and it, I guess it goes up his butt somehow through his polyester pants or whatever he's wearing. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm guessing can, he's yeah. he's hovering like a foot above the ground, like in the in the way that he's still hanging onto the back of the couch. Um, yeah. But I, I, I guess Fusilli Jerry ended up his butthole. Yeah, somehow it broke through the pants. And uh, maybe that, I mean, they do make a reference in the next scene about corkscrew pasta. So maybe that's how it got up there. Um, but there's a weird jump cut here. Did you notice? So I went back a couple times. So Jerry and Elaine and everybody are standing there and he lands on Fusilli Jerry. And they so we get a shot of the gang standing up, a shot of Frank hovering on the uh, behind the couch, like you mentioned. And then when it goes back to the exact same shot of the gang, all of a sudden Jerry is holding the base of Fusilli Jerry. So I don't know if that's something they added to show that it broke off somehow or if there was another deleted scene where they tried to go oh let me let me get that and it broke off or something but jerry's holding the bottom the broken base of fusilli jerry and ju- it's just like a couple of the little pasta legs that are huh. on there i didn't even i didn't even notice yeah this. i thought that was weird it's definitely a jump cut i wonder if we'll find out that there was something taken out or I don't know. It's weird. So over at Howard Cooperman, MD, proctologist, uh, the gang is sitting there waiting for Frank and the doctor comes out and, you know, tells him that uh, he's going to be okay. Meanwhile, Kramer is looking at the pictures on the wall. He sees the name on the back of a boat. It says Ass Man. And Kramer confirms with Howard Cooperman, MD, that he was supposed to get uh, vanity plates and he's still waiting for the DMV to sort it all out. And we end on a freeze frame of him kind of winking at, at Kramer. Um, actually, it's, it's more like Kramer going, hey, or something like that after the doctor winks at him. Mm-hmm. And then we hear Frank overdubbed on that freeze frame. It was a million to one shot, Doc. Uh, but th- in this case, we actually know it was an accident. So kind of a callback <laughs> to the middle of that. And we do get one last scene where Estelle starts crying and George yells at her because she's not supposed to cry for 10 days. Honestly, I, I hated this. Yeah, this payoff. This was it, awful. It, it was barely a payoff. This was yeah, so bad. It was, yeah. It was, totally unnecessary i mean we could have cut out oh you can't cry we could have cut out the scene where they tell her you can't cry for 10 days because it was just for this at the end not worth it yeah this was this was real dumb bad way to end a good episode yeah definitely definitely because i did star this episode and i i wonder like i didn't laugh a ton but it's got so many elements that i love from Seinfeld and plus like I've been talking about how I hadn't starred an episode in a long time so it kind of felt good to do that too <laughs> I feel like it's benefiting from a couple like a couple of episodes recently that like have been kind of lackluster and this one's got so many great references in it from you know uh, the introduction of Putty to Fusilli Jerry to the ass man to stopping short I mean we get so much great stuff in this episode that that's why I started so I, I don't know if I I don't know if it is going to go the distance when we look at the all the stars at the end but you know it it gave us a lot of great mm-hmm. moments yeah okay do we have any homework from this episode <laughs> i don't think so we found the interaction between patrick corburton and h john benjamin <laughs> so we don't need to do that which um, which we definitely listened to live and didn't drop the audio in for and and react to afterward yeah. i seem to remember something but no i I guess not. I guess we did. I guess we did it all. I don't think there's any homework at all. All right. Uh, what do we want to do for cover art this week? Um, let me think. Because I mean, I, you could get a good shot if you silly Jerry. You definitely could. Mm-hmm. What are you thinking? Uh, I don't know. I, I think maybe whenever Kramer presents the Fusilli Jerry, but also part of me wants to do something with Ass Man. Yeah, that's good. Hmm. But what? Oh, well, maybe um, Kramer and the cop. You'd probably get a good shot 
you know, because it'd be nice to have it, not just have it be the license plate itself, but you might be able to get a good shot of Kramer and the car when he has that interaction with the cop parking in the doctor's spot. Maybe. Yeah, I'll, I'll, see, I'll see if that works. If not, I'll probably do the uh, Kramer presenting Jerry with the Fusilli Jerry statue. I like both of those. Okay, what do we want to do for a description? You think we can come up with a better one? Let's try. So we had a mechanic pal, parenthetical, Patrick Warburton, uses Jerry's romantic techniques on Elaine. Uh, I I think that's it. I Yeah, right? I, li- I like it. I, I mean, we don't need to add a B yeah. story. I mean, I, th- I think that works. Because, I mean, the, yeah. the, the B yeah, story that- is in the name of the episode. Yeah, and it's about Kramer's license plates, and that's basically yeah. Or Estelle, George's, you know, George's mom. No, I, I, I think I don't think we need any of that. Perfect. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> okay, so next week yes. we've got season six, episode twenty-one, The Diplomats Club. Original air date May fourth, nineteen ninety-five. If you're looking at TV Guide that night, you are going to see Jerry's plans to meet a gorgeous model for an airport rendezvous are derailed. Hmm, this one's not ringing a bell. I'm kind of excited. All right. Okay, so is that it? That's it. All right, for No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. Be good.